Yes, today I am joined by OKC Thunder writer Eric Horn. Eric, what's going on, man? Oh, man, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm just trying to maintain through this hiatus that's thrown upon us. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess, man. I think everybody's trying to adjust. This is something that a lot of us have never dealt with before. I know. This is unprecedented times, man. I had an NBA stoppage since the last well, world stoppage in the NBA, the lockout. Played with 50 games that year. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's like, you know, I know everybody's ready for this thing to get started again, but at the same time, you know, the NBA has to has to take their time and their due diligence to make sure that every single, you know, every single thing is crossed off and 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 right to ensure that these guys can stay as healthy as they possibly can when they go into uh when they go into Orlando. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of people putting that on, on the line by going to Orlando. Who players, maybe the players' families, we're not sure about that situation yet. Yeah, refs, everybody, a lot of people. They got to be sure to safe when they go over there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's important. And like I was saying, like. We've never dealt with this before, so we can't expect the NBA to get this perfect either. Um, you know, what's important is that they keep these guys safe the best way they can. Right. And I think that it's it's up to us if they're going to do this. Our expectation has to be that some guys are going to get sick. Um, they're going to have to deal with that the best way they possibly can. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's scary because I don't know if – I don't know if they should necessarily even be doing it because I don't think you've seen necessarily a progress in terms of flattening the curve or this thing, you know, getting getting down to where it's suitable for us to return to sports. You know, I think right. we saw some results that indicated that we were doing a good job of this. But, you know, in recent weeks and or in the past month, we've seen, you know, an uptick because things have started to open up. Um, right. I think some of that can be expected, but also, you know, is it the right thing to do? Um, and I think that, you know, from a health standpoint, I think we're still we're still wrestling with it morally as to whether or not this is what we should be doing. Yeah, on top of social injustice issues going on right now with the coronavirus itself, there's a lot. Of, some players don't want to go back to um, playing right now. They're still up in the air. I'm, wait, I'm waiting to see what players decide not to play. Because they have to like the twenty fourth, I believe, to let the teams know if they want to play or not. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah, going to see was. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's a, you know, that's a that's another thing too. You know, it's a, like you're saying, you, you got a lot of guys who are considering more than just the coronavirus. They're considering, right. you know, you know where their hearts are in terms of, you know, social justice and. You know, and trying to focus on the things that they that they think they should be focusing on. I, I tend to I tend to disagree necessarily that the players shouldn't play. I think right. that you've got a lot of change and 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 impact that you can make while still playing, uh, while being on TV, while you know, yeah. being able to make statements that you otherwise wouldn't be able to make to that large of an audience. And not to mention, you're just changing the entire economics of the league when you don't play. There are a lot of guys who need checks, man. Some of these guys, right, right. Some of these guys <laughs> out here talking about this stuff. Um, Kyrie and Dwight Howard have made hundreds of millions of dollars. 
You yeah. know, Kyrie's got one of the best-selling shoes in the league. He's got a shoe deal. Right. Um, and, Kyrie, and Kyrie's paid already. He's one of the few players that's already paid up front. Right. And he's not a minimum contract guy. He's not a two-way True. guy who could have an opportunity to sign a regular season deal that's guaranteed. Right. You know, some of these guys, you know, if they don't get this bread now, they're going to be playing in Europe next season because the salary cap's going to be lower because – right. You know, your basketball-related income is going to be smaller, whether or not this thing goes off or not. Yeah. BRI is already going to be smaller going into next season, um, which means the salary cap and the luxury tax are going to be lower. And some of these guys are going to get cut out. Right. But it's not right. going to be Kyrie. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So I think he's speaking for a minority. Um, right. So a lot of these guys need these checks, man. And, you know, I, I think that you can still – have having concern for social justice while also still getting these checks and you know and making a living. Yeah, they can multitask doing this because, like you said, a lot of players need the money, and the CBA is going to be madly affected if it doesn't go down this season. So they they need they do need to play for that at that aspect. I think they can put it together and make it work because the NBA is a big platform and it's loud, and there'll be millions of people tuned in once the game start again. So I think I think it's to be a go. It's a matter of we got to get everything situated. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's going to happen. You know, it seems like the league is going to go through with it, and you know, I think that you know guys like Kyrie and Dwight are, are in a minority when it comes to you know wanting to play. Yeah. And then um, I think a thing that doesn't get talked about um, as much. And and I think, you know, actually Patrick Beverly made a good point about it. He kind of touched on this with in regard to LeBron James, where he said, right. like, look, if the team's playing, we're playing. <laughs> right, it's exactly. More than, it's more than just – but it's actually more than just like, a, you know, LeBron James, kind of an allusion to LeBron James being one of the most powerful power brokers in the league. Yes. It's, LeBron James has so much more to lose than anybody if they don't play this season. Because yeah. he's got a team that can win the championship. He's 35 years old. He'd be 36 yeah. when the season started again, or close to it. Right. Uh, I think he's. I think his birthday is at the end of December, or something like that. But um, this guy's got a chance to, you know, take another step up in terms of his legacy if he wins another title. And this might be one of the last, you know, realistic opportunities he has to win a title, considering his age. Um, right. and, you know, depending on what happens with, with Anthony Davis and him resigning, I imagine he wouldn't resign with the Lakers. But, you know, guys like LeBron, guys like Giannis, right. guys like Chris Paul, um, you know, guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they don't, they aren't going to get that many more opportunities to win a championship. Um, there's a, <laughs> there's a younger guard coming through the NBA. Um, and, and Giannis is, is one of those guys that, that, that's younger and is going to have some more opportunities. But we don't know if, with the way that the salary cap is changing, if Milwaukee is going to be able to continue to have strong teams around him, especially right. if he resigns at the Supermax. So yeah. there's just there's just a lot of factors to where some of these guys can't afford to just throw this season away and say, let's not play. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important to some of these guys to get back on the court regardless of what the format is, um, they just want to play because they want to have a chance to go out there a championship. Right. 
In the same way, Michael Jordan authorized the last dance when LeBron won his championship. The last dancers came out, and a lot of, a lot of eyes was on Michael Jordan. So LeBron wanted to get back in the spotlight. I know he do. So, <laughs> so I know he's really motivated to get the season back going. But he said, this is obviously one of his best chance to win another championship because, you know, injuries are part of the game. And we don't know what next season will hold. He might get hurt next season. He'll get hurt next game. I mean, and he has been given. Like, life has been given. Like, you got to take it what you get when you can when you can. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. 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 There's an unpredictable nature to everything. It's all of it. So the NBA is setting up this return. And how do you all feel about this job Adam Silver, Adam Silver is doing kind of in situation? I think he's doing a great job, and everyone is following his lead. You know it's hard. Um, I, I I try not to not to bang on silver too much in in regard to what's going on now because it's it's really hard to kind of strike that balance between you know the well being of the people involved and trying to capitalize on making as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that are kind of like oil and water when it comes to a pandemic. Sure. Um, I think his reaction to this could have been quicker at the beginning um, because we saw the signs of this happening overseas. We saw leagues getting shut down in February and March. Yeah. And the, the, the NBA continued to press on. Now, hell, I was, in, I was in three cities in five days the, the week before the shutdown. Like, we were still traveling. Everybody yeah. was still kind of going about their business. When this thing, we knew it was, we knew it was stateside. So, you know, you can you can definitely come down on silver for their response to this, right. um, being late and not having the foresight to shut the league down sooner until we actually had a positive case. Yeah, we to go there. <laughs> but um, there's also the notion that. You know, um, you know, the leadership of our country was late to react as well. Um, it, it's it's hard for me to see how the league should justify starting back, other than the monetary aspects of it. Right. I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily safe if you're going by the protocols that you know the that um, the CDC and, and, the, and the nation have kind of set out for us, our, our, our experts in, in health, right. you know, you want to see a, a decline of, um, of reported cases in, in, in the coronavirus. And when the league gets ready to start up again, I don't know if that's going to be a case that they're going to have seen a steady decline over a period of 14 days or, or, or a month. So mm-hmm. to me, it's almost like they held on for as long as they could before they had to make a decision as to whether or not to do this. And let's keep this in mind, too. Let's remember that July 31st or the 30th is, is, a, is a day that they want to start. That's the right. tentative day they want to start. That doesn't mean that they can't say, okay, we, we're not going to be able to do this. Um, let's cancel it. Because something might change in between now and then. They might get down there with some players. Right. Those guys might start practicing. They might see that. You know, this thing's had a serious uptick. A lot of guys are getting sick. Um, yeah. A lot of personnel are getting sick. And they might right. shut this thing down. So, That's very true. 
it's to me, I don't envy Adam Silver's position of being a person who's looking at billion dollar billions of dollars in loss. Yeah. But also having to keep in mind the safety of players sure. who also a lot of them want to play because careers and money are on the line. Um, and it's not just players too, it's coaches. You know, um, you know, coaches are concerned that, you know, their careers are going to be on the line. Right. Um, there's a lot at stake. And the health and the money are two things that just do not mix. And this goes for the NFL, this goes for the NHL, this goes for all these professional leagues. Right. Um, particularly your indoor leagues like the NBA. It's just it's a it's a tough position I think for any commissioner to be in. Yeah, this is like the beginning of the NBA season where on paper a certain team is a favorite, but until you play, you don't know what's going to happen. And like you said, he took it down there. Taylor Burns gets it, then and playing the Clippers, Paul George gets it. That's like two of the main <laughs> main headlining players of the NBA. They have to shut down. They have to shut everything down. It would be crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, if we got into the playoffs or if we got to the end of the the eight-game regular season and one of these guys got the coronavirus and had to miss that that mandatory, you know, I think seven days, they'd have to to be quarantined. Yeah, they had to be quarantined for seven days. You know, you could could lose a playoff series in seven days um, if one of your best players gets um, gets, test positive. So yeah, there's just a lot of risk involved with the entire operation. Yeah, we can talk about that, but anything can happen to call it the championship in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when he got when he got suspended, it was crazy. It was crazy. So um, Troy Weaver's leaving the um leaving the team. Can you speak on what he brought to the team? He started on um, Russell Westbrook in 2008. Right? Yeah, you know, he was one of the guys that was that was in on the evaluations of those players. And, right. you know, Sam Presti gets a lot of credit for, you know, being the guy who was um, bold enough to, you know, pick Westbrook at four, right. pick James Harden at three, when there were a lot of people who thought that, you know, that was a little high for those guys in consecutive right. years, um, particularly Westbrook. I think people – liked Harden's skill set, but there were there were concerns about his body type and that he kinda had that quote unquote old man game, which is funny now because Harden's got like the most modern game ever now. If you like so many players play like Harden now. When he came into the league everybody said he had an old man's game, which is hilarious. Like he <laughs> but now he's got the step backs and it's like the most modern game you can think of, especially in terms of like the analytics, you know, layups and free throws and, and three pointers. But, you know, Pressy gets a lot of credit for those guys, but Troy Weaver was a guy who wasn't about with um you know for more than a decade since the Thunder came to Oklahoma City, he's been you know one of their top player evaluators. Um, you know he's been a player personnel director. Um, you know big on big on you know talking to players, relationships, evaluating the players, and that was really important to identifying Westbrook. 
identifying James Harden as guys that they wanted to have. And, you know, that goes all the way back to his days, you know, coaching AAU ball. He's always had, from what I understand, and, you know, kind of a knack for, you know, developing bonds with players. These guys, they never fail to mention Troy Weaver when they're thanking the organization, um, when they're talking about the front office. Right. Because he clearly means something to these guys in terms of, you know, the belief, evaluation, relationships, and and understanding what what the players themselves bring to the organization. So this is a long time coming for, for Troy. He's been a guy who's interviewed a lot of different positions. Um, he's had the opportunity to leave before, but, you know, opted to, you know, stay because I think he believed in what the Thunder was doing. And now he's got a chance to, you know, rebuild in Detroit because that's what they're in the process of doing. And, you know, Troy has a track record of being successful doing that. So I think, you know, it should be a good opportunity for him. Now, it'd be nice if Detroit got back-to-back top five picks the way the Thunder did. That always helps too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they get and they get a guy or they get a guy like Kevin Durant, you know, the year before they picked right. Westbrook and Harden. Um, that is a generational player. You know, having getting a generational guy kind of helps <laughs> helps your resume too. Um, exactly. but, but Troy was big in in the Thunder taking Westbrook, Harden, Serge Ibaka at twenty four, right. um, and that's all on a, that's all on a two year stretch. Right. That's um that's as good as it's gonna get. That's three starters in two years. One of them you picked in the 20s where basically picking guys in the 20s is a crapshoot. And Abaka, to me, is probably as as impressive as as Harden and Westbrook from the standpoint that they got this guy in the 20s and he was more raw, more raw than Harden and Westbrook, I think. And Abaka's been in the league for, you know, 10-plus years himself. You just don't get that many guys that late in the draft that become um, pieces of championship teams, longtime starters, versatile players, um, the way that he became, and they were able to develop him. So Abaka's the guy who kind of goes unmentioned out of that Westbrook-Harden group from 2008 and 2009 at the Thunder draft. But um, he shouldn't, and, and and Troy should get a lot of credit for that too. Before the hiatus, OKC Thunder was tied for like fifth. Was yeah. surprised a lot of people. I know I was surprised. I mean, CP3 came through, basically put the team on his back. Like he, his veteran presence, and he leading the team on the floor tremendously. Can you speak on what he's bringing to the team? Yeah, man, uh, you you kind of said it there. You know that veteran presence. They get late in games, and if it's if they're close within the last five minutes, Chris Paul's got a pretty good chance of closing it out. Uh, he's been phenomenal for them in late games. You know, as good as Russell Westbrook was, there was an unpredictability to him in late in games. Um, he might take a shot that that was early in the shot clock or wasn't a good shot in terms of his shot profile. Right. Um, Paul's got a little bit more predict- predictability in that regard, but 
it's still almost impossible to stop. You know he's going to try and get to that elbow and take that mid-range jumper, right. but you still can't stop it. Um, and it's just he's such an efficient player, whether it's getting his shot, getting other guys' shots, um, that there's more of a formula and a comb to those late-game situations than the Thunders ever had, even when they right. had Kevin Durant. They're right. not as talented. That's obvious. And they're playing more of those close games because they don't have the talent. But when those games get close, I think there's more of a calm and an understanding than there's ever been on that team because I think Chris Paul is one of the greatest kind of orchestrators of basketball, offensive basketball that we've seen. And not to mention he's just an excellent defensive player too. Uh, He's a – He's a better defender at point guard than I think the Thunders had in their history. He, you know, he's a primary ball handler. He's better than Westbrook, and you know, he's better than he's better than Harden. So, you just got a lot of trust and accountability at that spot late in games, and that's made all the difference for them. I think he should be, you know, one of those five or six guys that's on the short list for MVP because of that. Um, this team wasn't supposed to be this good. And he's a big reason for it. He's the reason for it. Yeah, the Thunder's full of a lot of youth. And when he first got there, of course, you know, a lot of people told me he, must, he wasn't going to stay, but his contract helped him stay because it's so massive. No one wanted to take it on. And it worked mm-hmm. out that it worked out that he was able to stay. And now they have a legit chance to win a championship. But this is 0-0 all over the board. And everyone has had the same layoff. And we don't know what's going to happen to get to Orlando. Like, if someone loses their own player, they're in a bad disadvantage. They can another team win. This is going to be crazy when they start back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think that's one of the odd advantages that the Thunder has. And you could say this about a lot of teams. If this team is able to stay healthy and some other teams, you know, possibly get guys that – suffer injuries or get, um, you know, get a positive test. Right. You know, the Thunder's dangerous. Um, again, the late game situation stuff. Uh, if you, you know, if you take away home court, I think that, you know, just having the player who's going to have the composure, the, the, the ability to close. Right. You no, know, Chris Paul has shown that. Um, not as much in a playoff setting. I think his playoff record is kind of, been one of the, the black marks in his career, you know, until that Rocket series against the, the Warriors a couple of years ago. And if he doesn't get hurt, they 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 yeah. probably advance to the finals. And that helps to change the narrative about him a lot. But unfortunately, he gets that hamstring injury. Okay. But you get these guys on a neutral court. Um, I would I would trust Chris Paul in a lot of series, late game, neutral court with the ball in his hands. Very You're not true. going to find many people in the league that are going to get a good of a shot or a good an opportunity to score as Chris Paul. And then Very you true. compound that with, you know, the Thunders played pretty good defense this year. Um, I think matchups are going to be very important because they don't have that, that, big, that big physical wing that can kind of slow down other teams' best score on the wing. Right. In theory – that's a guy like Lugens Dort, who's their rookie, but he's got a, he, he fouls a lot, 
and he's typically not in closing lineups. They typically go with Dennis Schroeder instead of him in closing lineups, which have been really successful. Right. But they lack that size defensively against certain matchups, like against the Clippers, Kawhi, and Paul George can kind of shoot over those guys. Um, what what you get from Dort is going to be really important because he's a bigger physical defender. Right. If he can stay out of foul trouble and not kill them on offense, you might see some lineups where he can, you know, he can close, or or he can be a guy that can defend. You know the other team's best perimeter scorer late right. in games, but you know neutral court. If they get a good seed, you know something above the seven, yeah. you can't get the seven and have to play the Clippers. That's that's not good. <laughs> so if they get, you know, if they get any of the the uh, the Jazz, the Nuggets, so the Rockets, the Rockets, I don't think will be a very good matchup either. So Jazz Nuggets. That's something yeah. that maybe you could talk yourself into the Thunder being successful in the first round. Yeah, one player you do have that I'm familiar with is Danilo Gallinari. When he's when he's mm-hmm. um, healthy, he is dangerous. Runs from um, the Knicks and the Denver Nuggets. Like when he gets on, he's on. And his size, he can shoot over people, and his footwork is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gallinari is one of the best shooters in the league, and and that was one of the things that I was really looking to see if that would carry over. Because I think last year in, you know, in L.A., he had his best shooting season of his career. But he hasn't been far off from that in Oklahoma City. You know, he's increased his uh, volume of three-point shots. He's still shooting around 40%. He's still a great free-throw shooter. And he stayed relatively healthy. You know, they balanced out the schedule to where they rest him on the second night of back-to-backs. Um, you know, he's got tons of videos on his Instagram where he's been working out a lot during the, the stoppage. Yeah. So I'm encouraged, you know, to have – for the Thunder to have a guy like that going into this kind of weird format, he's arguably their most important player. Um, he's just something that they haven't had these past three years. He's not – the Thunder hasn't had that guy – that besides maybe Paul George, that can hit that three-point shot with regularity at that volume. Right. He opens up the floor for everybody when he's on the floor. If you look at the on-off numbers with him offensively, it's a big drop-off when he's not on the floor. Um, he makes everybody better in that regard because you have to account for him on the perimeter. And that space just opens up everything for guys like, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, and Chris Paul, because you you gotta you gotta guard that guy, and and um, I think he's a big weapon for them in a playoff series, man. He, he's gonna be huge. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you. OKC had James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant. I need to input on it. <laughs> I think it worked out player wise because. James Harden, he's leading the league in scoring, and he grew when he left OKC. Like he grew into his own. But those three together, I think, would be dangerous. But we have Russell Westbrook averaging triple doubles, Kevin Durant back-to-back Finals MVPs. I think they all grew away from each other, but together, I think they could have been amazing problems. What thoughts on that? You're talking about Westbrook, Durant, and, and Harden. Harden. Yeah. Yeah, you would have liked to see them play together as long as possible. Um, 
and they they screwed up, man. There's there's no way around it. They screwed up. They should have kept Harden one more year. And if you know you don't have something done by the trade deadline or something, maybe you think about it. But you at least you you give that group the benefit of the doubt, and you say, look, right. even if this isn't perfect in terms of what we want out of this person as a player, or not even as a player, as a as a personality. Because I had I had heard, and I think you could ask a lot of people that have been around the NBA for a while, that people weren't excited about Harden in terms of the off court stuff. They knew he was he was partying. Um, he had a little bit of a attitude that was reported um, during the NBA Finals. He wasn't happy with the shot selection in game one. Um, But that's no reason to me, you know, eight years down the line with hindsight to say, okay, we can't re-sign this guy. And I don't think that that was the primary reason why the Thunder said we can't keep this guy. But that stuff, to me, is always part of the, the package. You know, can, is this guy somebody that's going to fit into the culture? Well, damn it, if he's good enough, you figure out how the culture, you know, to make the culture work with him in it. Right. And he was a guy who had done some things in terms of shooting and efficiency that we just hadn't seen in the league very much ever. So it was important to keep him just from a talent standpoint. I think the Thunder underestimated his talent. Um, And if they didn't underestimate his talent, they underestimated that this guy was 21 years old and he was still trying to come into himself as a human being. Right. I think you can still have off-court tendencies and still be a hard worker. Um, Harden has reshaped his body. This is a guy who cares about his health. Um, you know, one of my colleagues at the Athletic, Kelly Eco, wrote a great story this summer about, you know, Harden staying in shape during the the, the, the stoppage. Right. This guy's been doing this for years now. You know, even though there's like tabloid stuff about his behavior and the you know, Kardashians and whatnot, but like, he's still a guy who cares about the game and is committed to being the best player he can possibly be. Um, to me, that's worth the extra $4 million that they didn't give to him to, to sign the max. Um, and if he wanted a starting spot, well, so be it. He's a starter. He's good enough. So it's disappointing. It's a, it's a, it's a sore subject with Thunder fans. Right. It's, um, it, it didn't guarantee they would win a title. I don't like the concept of people saying that it ensured that they would, they would, they would win a title but it would have made their title window longer and in a higher ceiling because they had a better player. You know, Harden was better than, than the Kevin Martin, um, Jeremy Lamb, what eventually became Steven Adams, Alex Abrinas. He's better than all of that, that they got right. in that package. Um, so they limited themselves uh, in, in that regard. And, you know, even though they could have won a title after he left, they won 60 games, which is incredible, the most games they've ever won. Right. The year after they traded him, 
and then Westbrook got hurt in the playoffs. But you still limited your ceiling because you traded a player who, even before he got to the Rockets, just right. had a unique skill set and was so damn efficient, you really couldn't afford to, to, to lose that player. We all know LeBron James gets beat up in, gets beat up in the media, the social media. Let's talk about um, Kevin Durant for a minute. He got beat up in the media by saying he was soft, called Cupcake when they lost three, when they blew a 3 1 lead to the Warriors. Then he went to the Warriors, it was called a weak move. But he, he, he set out and showed he was the best player on that team, even though they had um, Steph Curry. He was the best player on that team. Won back to back finals MVPs, two championships. I mean, do you think he gets an unfair rap? between the things that happened to him or is it due because of the team he joined? <laughs> Wait, you're talking about Kevin Durant? Kevin, yeah, Kevin Durant. I don't think the rap is unfair. I think that I think that Kevin made his bed by joining that team, and he had to deal with the consequences of joining that team. I don't blame Kevin for what he did. I think Kevin made the right decision for his career. Yeah. Um, Kevin got two titles and two MVP uh, finals MVPs out of it. Right. That probably wouldn't have happened in Oklahoma City. I'm not to say it couldn't have happened. Um, you know, it, I, I think throughout the, the the saga, what gets kind of swept under the rug is, you know, Kevin and Russell in key moments didn't execute and and, and finish games the way that they were capable of. Um, you know, game six, they'll go down in infamy. You know, those guys needed to finish that game off. And if they finish that game off, they at least give themselves an opportunity to beat Cleveland in the finals in 2016. I don't think they would have beat them. I think LeBron would have beat them. But they didn't give themselves the opportunity because time and time again in late-game situations, you know, they kind of had this, this dueling kind of – hierarchy of where's the ball going to go and how are we going to get this offense? Some of that falls on the coaching, too, and the strategy. They never had, I don't think, just a, just a genius sort of mind or, or someone who is you know, particularly competent in putting them in the best positions or, or convincing them that this is the way it needed to go at the end of games and let, let's, let's have an offense that moves the ball to where we put guys in the best positions late in games. That's what Kevin found in Golden State, but he also found yeah. Yeah. two of the best shooters of all time, which he didn't have in Oklahoma City, but frankly, he didn't have that anywhere, which is part of the problem. He went to the team with the two best shooters of all time. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it kind of makes, <laughs> makes it a little easier for you when exactly. you're one of the, the greatest players of your generation to play with the two best shooters of all time. You're always going to get the best matchup. You're not going to have people sagging off of those guys when the floor right. is spread. Yeah. And there just weren't any other circumstances in the league that were going to present that. Um, exactly. If he would have went to a team like, say, Boston, like maybe Brad Stevens is a better coach than Billy Donovan, but yeah. he doesn't have better shooters. He doesn't have – Draymond Green anchoring the defense so Kevin can right. rest and get weak side blocks. It's It was a perfect situation for anybody to, to walk into. And I, and I really don't blame Kevin for doing it because for eight years he gave his heart and soul to Oklahoma City. 
So. He he played really hard, cared. Um, he, he threw everything he could into bringing the city a championship. So he didn't really owe anybody any sort of, um, you know, servitude or, or to right. stay here his entire career. I think people were upset with the way he left, the team he went to. And I wish that people would have more introspection and not lie to themselves and say, well, we would have been upset. We wouldn't have been upset if he would have done it a certain way. You would have been upset regardless because you lost one of the best players of the generation. Yeah, but, but Kevin did what was best for his career. Did it make him happy? I think that's documented. It, it hasn't made him happy because that's part of why he's, still, he's in Brooklyn now. But yeah. I don't blame Kevin for going and getting the title and playing, you know, two two really, you know, really outstanding seasons and then, you know, coming close in that last one before they got hurt. So, you know, Kevin made a decision that was best for him. And uh, I think as time goes on, uh, people will have a better appreciation for him. Uh, I hope they do because he, he's a wonderful basketball player, man. He's a, he's, a, he's a solid dude for the most part. Like he just he just says some crazy shit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, he's, he's a solid true. guy, man. He is. Yeah, like I said, them shots he did in 2017 and 18, and the and the finals was crazy. He just pulled up like I'm here, and he still didn't get a recognition as the best player on the planet. So I mean, like you said, you probably went to New York to prove that. Like, I could win anywhere. So we'll see. <laughs> He's definitely about to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully he comes back healthy and we, we get to see the player that we saw before because, you know, he makes the league better. Um, and, you know, he's going to restore some balance to the league if he comes back and he's, you know, close to where he was because there wasn't balance. I mean, Every year you could say there's not really a lot of balance because only a handful of teams really have a shot at the title every year. But yeah. every team that Durant is on has a shot at the title because he's that good. So that will restore some of the balance, particularly since the East has been so weak over the past, um, you know, probably over the past decade, 15 years, right. or Cleveland. Yeah, a lot of people wanted Kevin Durant to go to Boston so to see him and LeBron match up for the finals, go to the um, go to the championship. But we know it didn't happen, so it meant a different way. But <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for joining me, man. Happy to game when you're available. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, no problem. I know I'm long-winded, but uh, I like good conversation, and, and you brought it, man. I appreciate you having me on anytime you need it. Just let me know. We'll do. Thanks. Be safe. All right. You too. Yes, that was Eric Horn, OKC Thunder writer. Thanks for joining me.